my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. Now, this is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. Now, this is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. It's so wonderful to be able to share with you once again. This week we're looking at uh, loving God and the problem of pain. And the big question for today is, did God create a devil? And today our co-host is Pastor David Butcher, and David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. Welcome to you, David. Good afternoon, Gary. Isn't it an absolutely wonderful day out there today? It is. Uh, we know right around Australia there are some parts, don't we? Uh, Western Australia, they've got fires there, and but... Yeah, here in Adelaide, it's uh, quite mild, actually. It's really been an incredibly mild summer, and I have to admit, I love, I go out walking in the morning, and the sun is just getting up over the hills, and uh, you get this gentle, cool breeze blowing. It's not cold. I can wear a T-shirt. I tell you, David, I mean, this is a lovely part of the world to actually be living. It is, and a nice time of year. It certainly is. Uh, now, look, um, just uh, just this last Sunday, we had our New Year's Ministers gathering uh, here in uh, here in Adelaide. These are all the pastors that uh, serve the Seventh Day Adventist Church in in South Australia. Now, at that uh, at that gathering, you and the, the conference treasurer and the conference secretary shared a little bit of a news update of some of the good things that had happened uh, last year and where we're going this year. Do you want to just just share uh, some of that? I mean, uh, we had a, a good financial result, didn't we? We did, Gary, and uh, I'm not sure of other denominations, but within uh, the Seventh-day Adventist denomination, um, really, I think, across the board in Australia, uh, what we've found is that in times of crisis, in times of hardship, uh, the faithfulness of people comes to the fore, and that's certainly been the experience that we've yeah, had here in South yeah, Australia. Yeah, yeah. And that, I've noticed every time that has occurred, it same thing has actually happened. And tell us, though, David, now... You actually uh, chair the the board for a significant school system. You've got three schools here in uh, uh, in South Oz, and I think uh, I think you've got about fifteen hundred or so students attending, and of course staff. How's the the new school year going? Yeah, look, I believe we've kicked off off to a really good start. We have a, a, a new principal in one of our schools. Um, the previous principal, after 32 years, um, uh, has taken on a different role. Um, she did a marvellous job, didn't she? She did. Um, the school grew in her time from uh, probably the low 20s in numbers through to 800. That's, and, uh, uh, that's so certainly an achievement, growth. isn't it? I mean, you look back and you say, I can, I've certainly achieved uh, through my ministry at this particular school. Yeah, absolutely. So our school system, yeah, is is significant. Uh, some amazing things have been happening over over year end. There are there are building developments happening, but the enrolments have um, are good. Um, mm-hmm. It's interesting, you know. We're all waiting for this uh, COVID uh, reaction, and when JobKeeper finishes and JobSeeker, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But God has really blessed our our three schools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fantastic to hear. And David, look, I'm just uh, really, really interested in your feedback on this particular question. Let's, uh, which is coming to our um, uh, our section on um, uh, on World Watch and. A survey's just been released. It's in, it was done by the Gallup organization and it was entitled Americans Trust of Pastors 
hovers near an all-time low. Now, I found this to be a very interesting uh, little survey. This is what it said. A Gallup's annual ratings of the honesty and ethical standards of professions finds nurses continue to be the most trusted. They're followed by medical doctors, grade school teachers and pharmacists. As the COVID-19 pandemic enters its second year, medical professions professionals top the list of most trusted professions. The 89% of Americans who give nurses high or very high scores for their honesty marks a record high percentage, up from 85% last year. Doctors' ratings improved 12 points to 77%, while pharmacists climbed 7 points to 71%. Despite falling in recent years, Police officers are the only other profession about which the a majority of Americans say they have a high or very high ethics and honesty rating. And I find that interesting given all that's actually occurred over in that part of the world. Absolutely. Americans' opinion of clergy's honesty, however, falls between judges and nursing home operators, and I'll share this list in a moment, around 40% say pastors have uh, high ethical standards. 40% say that pastors have got a high ethical standards, therefore about 60% are saying that pastors do not have a high ethical standard. This marks the second time since Gallup began surveying Americans about their trust of various occupations that fewer then two in five gave clergy the highest ratings. Two years ago, pastors reached their lowest mark. Over 60% of people said back then that pastors lack high or very high honesty. Now, David, this is, this to me, as I look at this as a pastor, I've been a pastor all my life. And yet this is incredibly challenging. In 1985, the survey went on to say 67% said clergy had high or very high honesty and, uh, and ethical standards. That was the high watermark for the profession. Since 2002, however, a positive views of clergy's honesty have dissipated. They suggest that could be spurred in part by revelations of sexual abuse between in the Roman Catholic and other uh, denominations. After briefly stabilizing, Americans' a positive opinions of the ethics of pastors has declined in eight of the last ten years. Now, to me, the thing that really jumped out at me in this particular survey was the were the actual ratings of the most trusted professions. It started, as it said, with uh, with nurses, medical doctors, grade school teachers. But to me, the thing that really jumped out at me was the ones that came at the very bottom. Now, of course, uh, nurses were trusted by 89% of, of people, medical doctors by 77, grade school teachers by 75. But at the, at the very bottom, uh, we had a traditional a category, and that was Car used car salespeople. I feel sorry for used car salespeople. They go they these go surveys. Hard, they? They, every time these surveys come out, they are used car sales. And I really do apologise to our used cars because I know there are some wonderful used car salespeople out there. But they were trusted by only eight percent of people. But the significant thing to me that really stood out was that members of Congress, or if you like, politicians, they rated at exactly the same level as used car salesmen. Now that to me, when I looked at that, I 
I had to have a little giggle about it because only 8% of people said they trusted members of Congress. Um, down at the very bottom were, there were other groupings like uh, advertising um, uh, practitioners um, and then we came to lawyers, um, journalists. bankers, journalists, a sort of a, a who's who at the, at the bottom there. Clergy, though, were only trusted by 39% of uh, of individuals who are actually surveyed now now to me this this is a, a huge survey and the, and the reason that to me it's so important is what does it say to you um, not just about pastors because of course that's important but the traditional pillars of society I mean our politician our lawyers our bankers these were the pillars of society for so long and yet they're the ones who are ranking together with clergy in the bottom half of this of this particular survey what's it saying to you yeah so firstly gary tongue-in-cheek uh, often i've heard for for a couple of decades that pastors are in the same level of trust if you like as as people are working banks bankers and use car salesmen as we've talked about and yeah. and the encouraging thing if i can call it that tongue in cheek is that the clergy were rated at 39% for trust ahead of the bankers at 29% and as you've already said ahead of the car sales people at 8% the disturbing thing for me as well is um, we can't trust our media, and I guess that's no surprise, 28% journalists, but judges, 43%, yeah. a little bit higher than ministers. So what I see here, and uh, not that I'm a, a social media commentator, uh, is that this has come out during um, the time of COVID. And I remember when the COVID uh, lockdowns first happened and nurses were, didn't have all the PPE equipment and doctors – People's value of, of nurses and even um, the garbage collectors, the waste collectors in America, people were cheering on their balconies yeah, uh, as, yeah, as in yeah. New York as the garbage trucks went past. Yeah. People began to start to value some of these other professions. Now, mm. ordinarily, uh, nurses are wrongly considered to be lesser than doctors. Yeah. But they've been elevated because they've been seen as highly relevant and doing something that's needed and appreciated and they're committing themselves to something fully. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, uh, ministers, religious profession, uh, religious people are considered untrustworthy by a great proportion. Why do you think that is? Well, I do think, as the report says, that some of it is, is uh, tied to um, child sexual abuse and the mm -hmm. fallout from mm -hmm. that. And, and so rightly so, there should be a level of distrust. Uh, I also think that uh, we are seen, religion is seen in, in, the, um, in the Western world, if you like, as not really necessary. Yeah. Whereas nurses have been proven that they are, we can't do without them. Yeah. Whereas we can do without religion. Yeah. At least we can do without Christianity. Mm. And so automatically there is a lower status. Then you have these scandals that erupt, uh, whether it's um, affairs in, in uh, people in high positions in religion and, and all of those sorts of things or sexual abuse. Uh, it just confirms in people's minds that religion um, needs to be pushed out of the public sphere. It's unnecessary. It's, it's uh, something of the past that's holding us back. Yeah. 
yeah. and yeah, I think that's a factor. Do you think there's some way of actually turning this around? Because you know we are living in such an amazing society now, where uh, the expectations uh, are certainly are are more than reasonable, but accountability is more and more uh, certainly coming on to every profession. Is there is there some way of turning around this? negative view, not just of religion and clergy, but I'm, I'm actually quite concerned when, for example, the judges of the land are actually held in very low esteem as well. 43%. That's a, that's actually a major, a major issue. That's I mean, really disturbing. Is there some way of turning this whole, this view around? And Gary, you touch on quite, uh, poignantly that, that it's the institutions. Yeah. Religion is an institution. Yeah. Our legal system is an institution. All of these, uh, our, our governments are an institution. And yeah. so there is this pushback against institutions. Yeah. Uh, so is there a way of turning it around? Yesterday, actually, I was reading, um, a small booklet, um, produced for our church on transparency, on accountability, on conduct. And it's not the sort of, it's not like reading a novel or exciting book, but it's yeah. quite important, you know, the roles of boards and governance and these sorts of things. And one of the things that stood out to me in particular was the fact that, that as Christian leaders, uh, we are observed, we're looked at at every step. Mm-hmm. And so our conduct has to be above and high because people are watching. Yeah. And, yeah. um, we've seen that recently in the media with, uh, one of the AFL clubs presidents in yeah, Victoria indeed, indeed, yeah. uh, being checked on the every single word. So people are, are looking, they're watching, there is a critical spirit towards institutions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that that is actually so true and I'm, I'm so conscious it really does put the onus particularly on the individuals who are actually in those particular professions uh, to actually ensure that they are, are giving the correct example to correctly be able to um, um, represent their particular uh, profession. It's so important that that actually occurs. Uh, but you know, I'm so conscious that even within scripture, what we find that, uh, the scriptures talk about a thing called the last days. And we're actually going to come to this next week. Mm. And, uh, one of the things that we get is that there's a breakdown in societal values in those days. And you know, David, more and more, I'm convinced that what we're actually seeing right now is a breakdown in societal values generally. Um, and I believe it's actually indicating something very significant that is actually pointed out within the scriptures of themselves. Um, but look, let's come to some uh, uh, some music. Uh, this is uh, Ron and Patty Avalle, uh, and it's simply entitled Daniel 2.20. Beautiful song. Blessed be the name of God. Giveth wisdom unto the wise, and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee. God of my fathers, who has 
message there is in uh, in that song uh, Ron and Patty Valet uh, love uh, their uh, their music we've got a wonderful offer for you uh, today if you'd like to uh, hear more of the subject that we're dealing with this week uh, Doug Batchelor Pastor Doug Batchelor is an international uh, media um, evangelist and he's put together a, a DVD it's entitled Cosmic Conflict the origin of evil. This is a fantastic. This will put it all together for you in just 45 minutes. You'll really love it. If you would like Pastor Doug Batchelor's Cosmic Conflict, The Origin of Evil DVD, then just send your name, your address, and your telephone number with the words Cosmic Conflict DVD because we need to know which offer you're actually requesting. So Cosmic Conflict DVD, uh, send your name, your address, and your telephone number to 0488 just text it please text it on your phone 0488 880 811 that number again 0488 880 811 you will love this free gift that we want to give to you also if you've got any uh, comments or questions that you would like to put uh, to David today then please feel free to text in your comments or your questions uh, because we would love to be able to respond to them uh, as we're able now respond to me send those questions or comments again to that same number that's 0488 880811 now two other uh, offers that we'd like to uh, make uh, make to you uh, my church I'm pastor of the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church uh, over here in uh, in Adelaide Amelia Street the Hove uh, Bible Spotlight now every Monday night commencing at 6:30 we've got one of our uh, young teachers uh, this is a, a young man I'm not teaching this particular class, but this is a, a greatly appreciated series. It's entitled Bible Spotlight. Uh, 
Uh, now, if you'd like to come along to Amelia Street, The Hove, that's to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church, you are most welcome. That's 6.30 every uh, Monday evening, and uh, you'll be able to meet Caden. Caden is a wonderful uh, teacher of biblical truth. Also, this this Sabbath, that's this Saturday, uh, I'm going to be preaching on our subject of the week. I'm combining all the questions from that we have received, all the questions that we've been talking about each day, and I'm going to be preaching at 11 a.m. this Saturday at the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church, Amelia Street, The Hove, and I'm going to be dealing with the subject of a loving God. If God is so loving, if God is so powerful, why doesn't he deal with the problem of pain? I can guarantee you this is a fully illustrated program. You will love this particular program. This will answer so many questions that you may have asked about this particular uh, subject. If you'd like to come along, you're most welcome. That's 11 o'clock to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church, Amelia Street, Hove, here in uh, Adelaide. If you would like that DVD, remember that number again is 0488 880811. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary. And today our co-host is uh, Pastor David Butcher, and David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. Uh, to th- this week we're looking at that subject, <laughs> loving God, and the problem of pain. And the big question for today is, did God create Lucifer? Did God create Satan? But before we go there, however, uh, David, look, let me ask you, you're a pastor, you're someone who's come across some incredible, some challenging um, uh, cases of pain and suffering uh, in your ministry. These are, are incredibly real, aren't they? I mean, we can talk about why this is so, but I'm so conscious it's so important also to recognize that pain is very real and both you and me have had to deal with it. What are some of the types of issues that you've had to deal with? Yeah, I think some of the things that really touch you the most, obviously, is is sickness, disease, and ultimately death, particularly when it's a sudden, unexpected, and also if it's a young person. Now, everyone's equal in God's sight, but we're not meant to die young. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, look, I recall um, I was in hospital. My son was in hospital, and I was staying in hospital with him. He was quite sick, and uh, a call went out through the hospital system, that uh, there was certain code and everyone rushed there. And uh, about an hour or so later, I got a phone call asking if I would be able to do a funeral. I was in the hospital with my son. He was really in not a good way. And it was a funeral of, uh, of a stillborn baby. And um, to see a coffin, you know, one yeah. and a half foot long, yeah. a white coffin. Yeah. And at the same time, my father had died actually at that same time, but he was in his early 80s. So. Uh, to go from one funeral with immense gratitude and thanksgiving to God for life and and the decisions that someone had made and then having to officiate at a funeral of this this stillborn baby um, yeah. where the family wanted no mention of the resurrection or the second coming yeah. uh, was a real struggle. And, you know, David, I, I know in my own ministry, I uh, uh, a number of times I've had to... Um, struggle with the uh, with individuals where a family member a young family member has actually taken their own life you know yes. i i really find that that is probably one of the harder issues 
to deal with because it's something that a person and the family themselves has got grief guilt. upon grief. They've got guilt. They're, they're carrying so much, so much baggage. And a number of times I've certainly had to deal with that particular situation. I know there have been occasions where I could only cry with the family. Yeah. And that's an important thing to do, isn't it, when someone's grieving, is just to, to not try and provide the solutions, just to be there and listen and yeah. just be there with them, yeah. which is what happened in the book of Job. For seven days, uh, Job is there suffering in pain and yeah. he's lost everything except for his yeah. wife and yeah. his three friends. The good thing they did is come and sit yeah. and not open their mouths for seven days. And it actually teaches us a great, it teaches a great deal, doesn't it? You know, I mean, because so often, you know, we want to come in with the answers. And this week we're trying to intellectually (laughs) uh, deal with the answers. But I'm so conscious that, uh, you know, the intellect can only go uh, so far uh, that there is a, there is a big picture that intellectually, okay, we can sit and we can talk about now. But I'm conscious of the hurt and the pain that is actually in our world, the hurt and the pain that you've had to deal with, the hurt and the pain that I've certainly had to deal with in uh, in my ministry and and I look at this and my, my heart has gone out to so many uh, individuals as I've as I've shared with them and I, I I appreciate that you just said you know one of the uh, a funeral situation where a person has said to you hey I want no mention of the resurrection I find that incredibly difficult to do mm. because and, and I have done. Uh, those and and, and honoured that particular request but do you know what I find the Christian scriptures are just so powerful because they talk about the hope of the resurrection they give us the ultimate answer they do in fact on one occasion I remember I actually had a funeral director come to come to me when I was just after I'd concluded doing a, a funeral and he actually said to me he said pastor what you're teaching is powerful and you know, these, these funeral directors go to two or three funerals a day. They see a lot. They see a lot. And to actually have one come to me and say, hey, what you're teaching is powerful, uh, was something that I, I actually treasured his, uh, his comments to me. And, uh, because this issue of pain and suffering is incredibly real. And, and I don't want to depreciate that in any way while we are intellectually trying to come to grips with this huge question that is actually in our world today. Because we live in the present, so we're dealing with it. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Okay, but David, look, let's come to, to this particular question. Um, it does bring us to our Bible study today. This week we've seen that God created, according to the Scriptures, a perfect world. It's been damaged by a thing called sin. And then yesterday we started to dig into this uh, this issue of, you know, the reality. Does the Scripture talk about a real devil a real satan a real lucifer is this or is this just a uh, you know a, a cartoon character with a, a a pitchfork and a long tail and you know colored red that's that's and what we saw is that within the scriptures if in fact you're going to trust and if you're going to believe the scriptures you've actually got no choice but to say hey look you know satan is actually presented as a very real being within the scriptures um but that of course does actually uh, raise another question, and it's this issue on where, if he exists, where did he actually come from? I mean, did God create Satan himself? How could a good God create evil? Exactly, and that's the, and that's the issue, and that's the issue you've come to solve for us today. Well, let's give it a go, shall we, Gary? <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks, David. So, I like your intro there, Gary. Um, 
what's already been covered this week is the fact that the Bible says, and it comes down to how you view the, view the Bible ultimately, our view of Scripture, but the Bible says quite clearly that everything God made was good. It was perfect. Yeah. And if God is a holy, perfect God, how can you believe that um, he's created something evil and painful? How would you want to serve a God that on the one hand says, I love you, and on the other hand, he's created a being that wants to destroy you and cause incredible, immense pain? So uh, the Bible says God created everything good and everything he made was good. Uh, the Bible says that sin is this virus that has come and has infected us, if you like. And the Bible says this in 1 John 3, 8. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. So sin comes from Satan. He is the one who sinned from the beginning. Now, as you've said, there are some denominations, some uh, groups that don't believe Satan is a literal being. Uh, We believe, and the Bible teaches, in a literal devil Mm. as clearly as there is a literal saviour and a literal God. And the two actually contended together while he was on earth. You get yesterday we actually read that passage where uh, the temptations of Jesus and what you actually had was Jesus in the wilderness and, of course, Satan himself came and tempted um, Jesus himself and Jesus responded to him. Then there was conversation backwards and forwards. Absolutely. And Jesus says in the gospel, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Indeed. So. Let's um, let's acknowledge that there is good and there is evil in this world. Yeah. And um, Satan goes by a number of names. We see that in Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. He's called the great dragon. Uh, he's called the serpent of old, which is an allusion back to uh, Genesis uh, chapter 3. Uh, serpent of old, he's called the devil, and he's called Satan. Mm-hmm. And in Revelation 12, 9, we're told of his practice, and, and we'll come back to this verse later on, but it tells us that he deceives the whole world. Okay. And he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So Satan's employment, if you like, his business is deception. You know, that, that's, that's interesting because some people see Satan as being sort of the, the person who is on God's side. He stokes hell while uh, God uh, is, is in heaven. And the two are sort of man is caught in the middle between the, between the two. Uh, yes, and, and there are some uh, religions that teach we need a balance between good and evil, between light mm. and darkness, yeah. between sin and perfection. This is a load of rubbish. Yeah. It is yeah. not true. Yeah, yeah. Okay, come to us. Where where did Satan come from then? So let's um let's look at Ezekiel chapter twenty eight in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Ezekiel chapter twenty eight. And uh in this uh chapter um we have uh allusions to the ancient king of Tyre, mm-hmm. a literal king. Yep. Uh, and we have that in the first uh, 11 verses. Okay. But then we have from verses 12 onwards uh, a symbolic language used of the king of Tyre that cannot fit any earthly ruler, but instead points to the ruler or the prince of this earth. In other words, the real ruler of Tyre was actually Satan himself. 
Exactly. The, the, he was the ruler pulling the strings, if you like, behind the king of Tyre. Behind the king of Tyre. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But read to us what it actually says here. So in Ezekiel chapter 28, and um, we'll, read, uh, we'll read verse 15 first. Okay. It says there, You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity or sin, if you like, was found in you. So this tells us that we serve a good God. We serve a mm-hmm. God who does not create everything good and then I'll oh, just create something evil to balance things up. Mm. God made everything good full stop. Okay. And here we hear of this, uh, this creature, this angel called Lucifer. Hebrews tells us that angels uh, are made a little higher than human beings. Yeah, yeah that's Hebrews chapter 1. Yes. Uh, but And just as we learnt on um, in Monday, what we discovered there was that back at the very beginning, God gave Adam and Eve this wonderful gift of freedom. And in the same way, I imagine him giving this being, Lucifer, the gift of freedom. He did. And because uh, for, the Bible says God is love. Yeah. Full yeah, stop. Yeah. So for God to be a God of love, if I love my wife, um, I have to um, make myself vulnerable. Mm-hmm. If I want my, life, my wife to truly love me, then it has to be her decision and not mine. So I've got to give her that freedom of choice to choose me or countless other men. And, you know, and that's so important. In fact, I've actually said to people that I've actually spoken to about the Bible, um, God wants you free more than he wants your uh, salvation. Yes. God wants you free more than he wants yours. In other words, God what desperately wants to have you saved. He desperately wants to have you saved. But, you know, David, the thing I'm so conscious of, He values my freedom so much that if, in fact, I choose to not want to be saved, he is happy to actually accept my decision. He honors that. He honors it. It breaks his heart. Yeah. But because he's a God of love, because he gives us that choice, he does not override that. And it's just like me with my with my children. You know, my children, when I was bringing them up, the thing that I was so conscious of was the need to actually give them the freedom to be able to live their own life. That was what, that's what love is actually all about. If I, as a father, was to simply say, uh, kids, this is what you're going to do, and this is how you're going to do it, and this is when you're going to do it, and what I would have created is actually little robots. You've removed their freedom of choice. But what we've got here is a God who both with Adam and Eve gave them this beautiful gift of freedom but also he's created this perfect being we call him Satan today called Lucifer Lucifer. back there and he's been given this wonderful gift of freedom of choice. Exactly so in Ezekiel 28 verse 12 uh, we find that this angel Lucifer it says you were the seal of perfection full of wisdom and perfect in beauty Mm. We then read that um, uh, we then read that um, as we've already read, you were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God, verse fourteen. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones, and what we've already read, you were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. Now. What I find very interesting here, Gary, is that we read that he was the anointed cherub who covers. Mm. 
Mm. Now, it's interesting that uh, in the Old Testament, God has given us a picture of salvation in miniature. He's given us a picture of his old, uh, the Old Testament sanctuary. Yeah. And in that sanctuary was this most precious piece of furniture, small piece called the Ark of the Covenant. In that Ark was God's law, mm-hmm. the Ten Commandments. It was a transcript of who he was. It was a reflection of who God was, of his character. Yeah. And God is love. And and the Ten Commandments express that very fact. Uh, that wooden box that was covered in gold with God's law written with his finger had a lid on it on that chest, mm-hmm. and it was called the mercy seat. Mm-hmm. God's law condemns us because we're sinners. It's holy. But God's mercy, the blood of Jesus, uh cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So mercy and justice. And this is actually the message of all of Scripture, isn't it? I it mean, is. sometimes people say, hey, it's only in the New Testament you get this message. But in fact, if you go into the Old Testament, what you find is the, the words of Christ reflect back on the Old Testament and you get the same message of salvation. You get the same message of grace. You're getting people being saved by faith. Uh, you're getting God's mercy in the Old Testament just as you get that in the New Testament. It's all the way through. It's all the way through. Now, here we discover in Ezekiel 28 that um, Lucifer is the cherub that covers. Now, that Ark of the Covenant had two cherubim. Cherubim are uh, one of the types of angels. There are yes, seraphim yes, as well. Yes. So, just like God's God's place where he resided on earth was in the sanctuary above the Ark of the Covenant. It was almost like a throne on earth, if you like. Yeah, yeah. And there was two molded angels, cherubim. And they covered the Ark of the Covenant. They covered God's law. In the universe, in heaven, we get this picture of Lucifer, who is a covering cherub. Mm. He is right there at the throne room of God. He is a, 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 a high order angel, if you like, right next to the throne of God, right where God is. And wow. he should be there to protect the law of God. That was his purpose there. He that was, was his purpose. This is this is a beautiful picture that you're actually painting there, David. That's really fantastic. So we've got a perfect angel living in a perfect kingdom, at um, created by God, but given the gift of freedom to choose. Absolutely, and and as we've read before, you were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. Now, if we go over to the another Old Testament book, a wonderful book called the book of Isaiah. Mm. He's the gospel prophet, is he not? And um, we again have a picture of the ancient king of Babylon. Mm. And there are so many verses which are applicable to the king of Babylon, but then there are verses where we have this symbolism, this language, where we see behind the curtain, behind the scenes of the one who is really pulling the strings of the king of indeed, Babylon. Indeed, indeed. That's the so important. The ultimate evil ruler. Yes, yes. And this is Lucifer, yes. or what we have as Satan. Uh, verse 12 of chapter 14. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations, for you have said in your heart. Now, this is, we read in Ezekiel that uh, he was perfect until iniquity was found in him. him. And this is going to tell us what that iniquity actually was. Exactly. Uh, you have said in your heart, now notice these words, I will, there's a mm, repetition. Mm. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. This is very emphatic, isn't it? It I is. I will. I will. 
I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mountain of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Wow. So here we have a created being Mm. made by the hand of God Mm -hmm. whose role, a specific role for, for Lucifer is to be a covering cherub over the throne of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, God is love. His law is a reflection of his character. He's there to defend the law of God. And yet because he's been given freedom of choice, like all beings, in his heart, iniquity begins, sin begins. So there is a change that takes place. It's In Scripture, it's actually called the mystery of iniquity because where does it come from? What is this thing that grows up in the heart of an individual who's been created perfect to actually want to be like the Most High? We would actually call it today, this is the sin of pride. You know, we talk of seven de- deadly sins. The greatest of the seven deadly sins is, of course, pride. Why is it the greatest? Well, it's the greatest, actually, because it was actually the very first sin that was committed by uh, Lucifer himself. He wanted something that was not his. He did. He wanted something that was not his. He says, I will be like the Most High. Mm, mm. In other words, I'll be like the one that created me. However, he wanted to be that person um, without following the law of God, without being righteous. Yeah. yeah. So we go to Genesis chapter 3. Okay, okay. And in Genesis chapter... But well, before we go there, can we go to uh, maybe Revelation chapter chapter 12? Because yeah, I, I, I'm conscious that there's a passage here that I really want us to, to come to. And uh, I'm conscious that our time is starting to actually disappear from us you once again. you Revelation 12? Revelation chapter yeah. 12, yeah. Do you, okay, just let's us. go from verse 7. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So here is his freedom of choice. Uh, Satan's angels, he's managed to infect uh, a third of the angels in heaven. Mm. They're not all-knowing. They don't have omniscience. They don't have all knowledge. And so they've listened to the lies and deception of Satan. Finally, there is this warfare over words, this warfare over who they're going to serve. Satan uses deception. He and his angels are cast out of heaven. In verse 9, so the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world and who was cast to the earth and his angels with him. This is such an absolutely remarkable passage. You know, war broke out in heaven. You know, I mean, we sort of think of heaven as being a a, a holy place, a place of peace and harmony, uh, of unity. And yet what the scriptures tell us here is that war broke out in heaven. You know, sometimes I've actually been talking to to young people on this and I say, hey, look, you know, have you watched uh, the Star Wars um, series? I know it's a little bit dated now, but there is a, a scroll that starts at the beginning of the very first movie it it says a long long time ago in a galaxy far far away and so it go it goes on and it talks about a star wars uh experience that is supposed to have have happened and of course that's the star wars series but what we've got here in scripture is actually a star wars this is the star wars this is the star wars has actually got some truth to it. And I've actually said to, our, to some of our young people, I've said, hey, look, guys, you need to realize that some of what is actually in there, some of the things that are, is actually comes from the scriptures themselves. So God wants to, he's created a perfect universe with a perfect law, a God of love, a God of free choice. Lucifer comes along, he's now called Satan and the dragon and, and the devil, and he wants to create a government that is based on pride, 
selfishness, deception, and destruction. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, um, uh, Gary, in the book of Job chapter 1, and we won't turn there, but we have this picture of the sons of God there, these these heavenly intelligences, and, and there is Satan. And, and he's challenged by God, what are you doing here? And he says, I've been roaming to and fro from the earth. And then God says to him, um, have you noticed my servant Job? Mm. And Satan says he only follows you because you protect him. Yeah. But God says, this is my servant who is just and righteous. God has said, this is my servant who follows my law. Mm. Satan will attack the law of God and the followers of the law of God because it is God's government. Exactly. So the war, the war here on earth is actually uh, primarily and not between um, not man and God are actually not at war because what we've actually had is Jesus Christ come and he has actually paid the penalty for every man. Now, not every man is going to be saved because God has given this beautiful gift of freedom of choice. If I don't want to be saved... God's got no choice, but he's not going to force me to be saved. So there is this warfare that's playing out. It's war, and, and it's between God and Satan himself uh, rather than between uh, God and humanity. Does that make sense? It does. It does. All right. Look, let's come to uh, – I'm just really conscious our time is going. Let's come to a little bit of music. This is uh, Carly, Carly Fletcher. This is a Follow uh, the Lamb. We will keep the commandments of God Through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ With patient endurance and faith We will follow, follow the Lamb We will follow the Lamb Wherever He goes Walking in the light on this narrow
Kylie Fletcher, follow the lamb. What wise advice that uh, that really is. Our free gift for you today is Pastor Doug Bachelor's Cosmic Conflict uh, uh, Origin of Evil DVD. This is a real beauty. It's a, uh, a full audio-visual program. You'll absolutely love it. If you'd like a copy of Pastor Doug Bachelor's Cosmic Conflict Origin of Evil DVD, just send your, uh, your name, your address, uh, and your telephone number, and just say uh, Origin of Cosmic Conflict a DVD, and uh, send that by text. Send that request to 0488 880-811 and uh, we will get that to you uh, as soon as we possibly can. Uh, love to, uh, to to be able to share that with you. It's a, it's a beautiful program. Also, uh, this particular weekend, this uh, this Saturday, I'm going to be preaching at the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church. This is a full audio-visual uh, program. Uh, we'd invite you to come along if you're down here in Adelaide. Uh, this is Amelia Street, the Hove. Love to have you come and join with us. We're going to be looking why if God is good and powerful, why doesn't he solve? Why doesn't he answer this? Why doesn't he resolve this issue right now? Uh, we'll give you answers that you've never thought uh, thought off before but uh, love to have you come and join with us you're listening to Faith FM Drive Time big Q&A with Pastor Gary and our co-host today is Pastor David Butcher and David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz Uh, this week we're looking at a loving God and the problem of pain and the big question for today is did God uh, create Lucifer did God create Satan David look our time's running away bring it all together for us if you can so this great conflict between good and evil, Gary, is one of the central themes of Scripture, and it is about a war of truth or lies. And we know in heaven Lucifer deceived a great number of angels. He's cast out. He comes to the earth. Yeah. God has created human beings so that he can have an intimate relationship with them. They can be his best friends. And so Satan attacks the heart of God. Who will he attack? His children. Human race. And wow. so he comes to Adam and Eve in Eden, and this has been touched on this week. And there at the tree through the serpent, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree which God had said to them in Genesis 2.17, if you eat of this fruit, you will surely die. Yeah. He says through the serpent to Eve, he says to her, has God indeed said you shall not eat the tree of this, the fruit of this tree? Mm. Did God really say? He's casting doubt. And this is what Satan does. This is what's happened through Scripture. This is why today many Christians and others don't believe the truth of Scripture. There is doubt cast upon it. Did God really say? Mm-hmm. And she says, yes, he did. We'll surely die. And then in Genesis 3, he says, you will not surely die. Verse 4, you will not surely die. For God knows in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open. You'll be like God. Now, what did Lucifer want in heaven? He wanted to sit on the throne of God. He wanted to be like God. Now he promises this to the human race. Yeah. And it's only after they eat of that fruit do they realize what they've lost. Yeah. Now, I want to take you forward. Mm-hmm. Jesus has to let this play out. God has to let this play out, this battle between good and evil, because it's a battle of choice. Yeah. God works through love, Satan, deception, and force. We come, Jesus comes into the battlefield, born as yeah. a babe. Yeah. Uh, he, he gets baptized. And at his baptism in Matthew chapter 4, when he's baptized, this voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. But immediately after his baptism, he's led into the wilderness where he's tempted for 40 days. And it says there that Satan comes to him. And you've already talked about at the beginning this conversation they had. And Satan says to Jesus, he says, if you are the son of God, 
command that you turn these stones It's this issue of doubt, Questioning, doubting doubt. the word of God. In other words, at Jesus' baptism, the Father has said, this is my beloved Son. Mm-hmm. Satan comes questioning that. If you're the Son of God, do yeah. this. Yeah. So there is this continual battle, and if Jesus had have given in, he would have been a distrust in the words of God. Okay. We get to uh, the battle at the end of time, which is a battle over our hearts. Mm. And again, it's over trust. Who will we believe? And the battle Truth is really over. You know, who do I actually give my heart to? You know, I've, there's, there's two forces here. And one of them, both of them are saying, hey, give me your heart. And so this battle takes time because things have to play. People have to see who they're going to give their heart to. Yeah. We're told in Revelation 12 that Satan is cast out again. Now, this is a casting out at the cross. Mm-hmm. Satan was the ruler of this earth when he stole it and deceived Adam and Eve, the rulership. God had put them there as rulers of this earth, if you like. Satan steals it. He becomes the ruler or the prince of this earth. At the cross, Jesus defeats Satan. He regains what Adam lost. Mm. And so in Revelation 12, we have this second casting out, if you like, his final casting out where he's cast to this earth, and we are told that he is angry because his time is short. Now, this is a promise. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus is coming back. There is going to be an end point because good and evil have played out. People have made their choices. There is an end point coming. And finally, when every individual on this earth has made that choice, hey, I've got the, I've got this wonderful gift of freedom and I'm going, I've utilized this gift of freedom to either choose Jesus Christ or to choose the adversary. Freedom for slavery. Freedom for slavery. At some point, there is actually a time when God stands up and he says, hey, it's enough. It's enough. There is. Jesus comes. We also get a picture in Revelation chapter 20 of the doing away of evil. Revelation 21, and I know this will be explored further, but we have this picture of a God who will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There will be no more pain for the former things have passed away. These are a result of sin. So the Bible promises us that there is a time with no more death, sorrow, mourning, or pain. And the time, no more sin. The time is yet future. And yet it's as real as what the problem of sin is in this world. David, let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, I come to you right now. Lord, I want to say thank you uh, for sending your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, I pray uh, that we might decide, Lord, if there is anybody who is listening to us today who has never decided for Jesus Christ. Lord, I just pray that you might impact them by your Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, I pray that indeed uh, they might decide for you right now, that they might say, I am on your side. I reject uh, the enemy and you and make you their very best friend. Lord, these things we ask and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, folks, it... It does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary, Pastor David Butcher on Drive Time, being Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when Pastor Fabiano and Helen Gray are going to be asking, what did Christ say about the problem of evil? This is so important. Christ actually answers this question so beautifully. Uh, You will love what these, uh, uh, what what Fabiano and uh, Helen have actually got to share. Uh, Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. 
May our God richly bless you. Please enjoy Michael W. Smith, Ancient Words. Words in bar Words of 